Amen. Please be seated. And turn in your Bibles with me this morning to the book of Luke. The book of Luke, chapter 24. This morning we will be reading verses 1 through 12. You can also find this passage on the insert inside of your bulletin with a brief outline of today's message included. If you're doing so, I want to once again welcome you this morning. It is a joy to be in the house of the Lord to celebrate the risen Savior this day. We are taking a break from our regular um, Sunday morning series. We've been in the books of First Peter and Second Peter, taking a look at uh, hope for living faithfully during trying times. That's been a very needy, or very much a needed passage in the life of the church and individuals today. And really, in some ways, we're continuing that thread. This really isn't that much of an offshoot uh, because the greatest hope we have for living faithfully during trying times is a risen Savior. And so in some ways this morning, we're simply continuing the study we've been doing these past months. If you were with us on our Good Friday service, um, you may be, as I, I warned you would, be on the edge of your seat today. The end of chapter 23 leaves us with a crucified Christ. You have the centurion praising God. You have the crowd overwhelmed and despondent and the disciples confused and silent. And it is so hard um, to preach that passage on Friday and then have to wait to Sunday morning to get to preach this one. But as I said then and I tell you now, as one of my mentors, the late great Paul Harvey would say, and now for the rest of the story. Would you please follow along with me as I read from the Word of God the rest of the story. I will begin in Luke chapter 24, verse 1, and read through the 12th verse. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the two other and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed like an idle tale and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. While the grass may wither and the flower may fall, the word of the Lord will stand forever. May we now go to him and ask that he bless us. Because we have heard, may he give us ears to hear. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, what a needed passage for today. Everyone in this room, whether they are firm in their faith and have walked with you for a long time, 
a new and young believer, hungry and eager to hear more and to learn more, one who has yet believed, or one who rejects you and your teaching. Wherever someone finds themselves this morning, by your providence, we know that this passage is for them today. It's for all of us. And so I do ask that you open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts that we might receive your word, not just hearing it, but believing it. And may it transform lives. May it turn our hearts unto you. I pray that you would be with us now in this time. We give you all of the glory in Christ's name. Amen. One of my favorite sermons ever preached, I mean, it's actually preached on an Easter morning, was preached on the very first word of this passage. In fact, if it was okay to do so, I would just read that sermon to you this morning. But it does not seem to be appropriate. That sermon really had an impact on me, and it it really focused on that very first word. But this conjunction is so powerful in this text because it ties together everything that has preceded this moment with everything that lies ahead. Jesus has now been in the tomb for three days. He was buried on Friday before sundown, spent Saturday in the tomb, and now it is Sunday morning. The women of Galilee have come to fulfill their conviction. They wanted him to have a proper burial. In their minds, the best way they could honor the Savior was to see that he died with dignity. They had to pause out of respect for God's word to not work on the Sabbath. And so they left him in that state. They come to finish the job. They had expected a lot of things, but what they did not expect was to see an empty tomb. They did not expect to see the stone rolled away. They did not expect to see the soldiers on their face as if dead men. There has never been such a statement made with absence. Jesus, not being present, said more than these women first realized. And the shock of this sets in upon them. And we will read that here in a moment. And the angels kind of accent that. They accent that moment. They accent this scene, this shock of what's going on. And what do the angels say? A very simple message, but a profound one. Remember. Remember the words and the teaching of Jesus. Let me just say before we dive into our text. We need this message today. You need that message today. Wherever you are, however you come to us. Whatever your struggles, worries, fears, doubts this morning, I could tell you nothing, no more needed than this. Remember the words of Jesus. For he is your answer in the season of life you find yourself in. Just like the message to the women from the angels, so too the message for us today, remember him. And we will do so. We have done so in our service and will continue to do so. And we will as we ponder our text this morning. We'll see it in three different ways. First, and most important, we will remember him by declaring death has been defeated. Death has been defeated. We find this in the first three verses. And because death has been defeated, we will see that remembrance will be transformed into faith. We find this in verses 4 through 7 as we hear the angelic message. And then faithfulness leads to blessing. We find that in the final verses of our passage, verses 8 through 12. 
And so as we consider Jesus this morning, we remember his words and his teaching. Would you please follow along with me? Considering the events surrounding our passage this morning. And we note we picked Luke. We could have gone to one of the other gospel accounts as they all give an accurate account of what took place using details that is pertinent to their goals in the story. And Luke doesn't mention a few things that we find in the other gospel accounts. One, we know that there's a stone, a great stone, a stone that has been set in place to block the smell of death from coming outside of the tomb. A stone that would make it difficult for someone to come in and take the body. They, they probably had a team of Roman soldiers to put this stone in place. But when we read our account, the stone is already rolled back. Now we know from the other Gospels it's because an angel fell from heaven like lightning, rolled it back and sat down on top of it. Another problem or another thing we need to be aware of in this scene, again there were guards at place around the tomb, to protect it, to make sure no one got in and make sure no one got out. Well, they wouldn't admit that, that's one of their purposes. And they were Romans. They were Roman guards. They were the experts at doing their job. And yet these women would have seen those men lying to the side, cast away as if they were dead. What a scene to walk up to. And, and Luke does this for a particular purpose. It's not that he's leaving details out. He's not trying to be dishonest. Rather, Luke is trying to show them and Luke is trying to show us just how far God is willing to go to remove obstacles and barriers to himself. Let's think about it. The stone. The stone was there to keep unwanted people from getting into the tomb. This was not just some door like many of the doors we have in our church this morning or in your homes. Picture the type of door you see in bank heist movies. I'm talking the kind of doors that have lasers and bars and security measures and redundancies so that no one that is supposed to be away from this door gets in. It was the highest and the latest and greatest in security measures. Roll a stone that no one can lift in front of the door and no one can get in, period. And yet the women of Galilee walk right up to find it open, almost as if... It was wide open saying, come on in. An invitation, a welcome. Luke starts right at this point in the story because that's how we're to feel. Come on in. God has dealt with every potential issue for these women so that the glory of what he was do has done would be revealed to them and then through them would be revealed to the disciples. They came expecting to find Jesus. However, we have another one of our problems in our text. He's not there. And put yourself in their shoes. They loved Jesus. They followed his ministry. They cared for him. They were there to finish his burial preparation. They were there to lovingly see that he was placed in the tomb. It looks like someone stolen the body. Maybe at this point going through their mind is that the Jewish leaders have taken him. 
Maybe at this point in their mind, they've th- they're thinking that Rome itself has hidden the body, or even worse, has done this to accuse the disciples, to make sure that there is confusion about the resurrection. And so they show up ready to do a thing. The tomb is open. They run on in. Jesus is not there. The guards are doing nothing. They're panic. You can almost feel the panic or the potential panic to, to the situation and what's going on. And while that's happening, it, it, you only get a moment to, to let the panic set in. Two dazzling men appear. And they begin to speak. I don't know how they expressed any level of calmness at this point. But let me help us ponder a couple of things before we get to the angelic message. Let's, let's put to rest some of these problems and what they mean for us. We need to rejoice today that the women found an empty tomb. To them, it may have been a mark of panic. It may have been a mark of things gone wrong. It may be a sign of disaster, of espionage, of betrayal. But as believers who have read the story, who know the account, who knows what's coming next, we need to rejoice that the tomb was empty. Why? Jesus died carrying the sins of the children of God. And so, quite simply, this morning, if you are trusting in Jesus Christ for your salvation, or will trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation within your lifetime, then He died for you. He took all of your sin, all of your guilt, all of your shame, and paid for it in full. The difference between us and Jesus Christ is if the women went to our tomb on that day, they would find the body. Do not underestimate the significance of the fact that Christ was not there. Even on our best days, our best works are tainted by sin and are deserving of God's wrath and judgment apart from the Holy Spirit. And so beautifully for us today, because they did not find Jesus... So they will not find us there neither. Related to this. And so the fact that Jesus is not there is not a problem. It's actually a great reason for celebration. Related to this. Every time you, whether it's here or at your home church, you celebrate communion, the Lord's Supper, you are pointing to that empty tomb. You are saying, I believe in the empty tomb. I believe in a risen Savior. Jesus told us his body would be broken, his blood would be poured out. And then what happened? His body was broken and his blood was poured out. He also told us that the tomb would be empty. Luke 9.22 The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed And on the third day be raised. The empty tomb tells us Jesus is not a liar. The empty tomb tells us that Jesus does what he says he's going to do. The empty tomb tells us that he keeps his promises. And what is one of those promises? 
One of those promises is he will grant faith to those who believe. Remembrance leads to faith. We see this in our second section. We see this in the the message of the angels and the response of the women. Look there with me. By God's grace, these women don't have to wait long. There's not a lengthy moment of of panic, chaos, and confusion before someone tells them what happened. We get that recorded for us by the angels who simply ask, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucified and on the third day rise? Living people don't belong in tombs. Jesus told us. We just read Luke 9.22. We also could read um, chapter 22, verses 37. Jesus in multiple times has said to them what must happen, what must take place. He has promised them death would not keep him. He has promised them that God would honor his sacrifice and raise him from the dead. Even more than that, Jesus has proved himself the power and ability to raise people from the dead, to forgive sin, to do that which he needed. He himself could make it happen. I want to be very careful as we read a passage like this, and in a moment we'll talk about the disciples. We need to have some level of sympathy for them. It's so easy to to knock at them for not believing Jesus. Like, okay, he's told you for years. For three years, he has said repeatedly in various times, in various ways, and through various means that he's going to die and raise again. And you don't believe. What is wrong with you people? Well, let me ask you something. Especially for those of you that your faith journey took a while. How long did it take? The evidence was laid out before you. The truth was right there in front of you. And you were either, I'll get to it when I get there, or not right now, or I'm not quite ready yet. So so before we bash the, the women of Galilee and the disciples, let's take a pause and think about our own lives and accept the fact that unless God gives us eyes to see, we will not see. We need to understand what's happening, and we need to understand God's grace. God knew that they wouldn't understand. God knew that they weren't there yet. And so by his grace, by his mercy, he sent the angels. He sent the angels to declare his message so they could puzzle things together. And and the angels give a very simple message. Remember. Remember what he's already said. Remember what he taught you. Remember what he has done. And oh, what a powerful verse. Oh, What powerful words. Verse 8. And they remembered. Let me once again take a quick pause. And just make a plug for how important reading and studying God's word is. Because let's, let's just put it as frankly as we can. You can't remember what you don't know. You can't recall what you have not learned. What you've not read, what you've not studied, what you've not put in, you can't bring back to memory. And and for you Christians and and for those of you that aren't quite there yet, I, I could not offer you something greater this morning. As I said earlier, remembrance. Remembrance of what? Of who God is, what he has done, and what he's promised to do. Which by his grace, we've got 66 books, a full recording of that. Everything we need for faith 
and for life in obedience to him. My Bible's got, um, it's about 1,300 pages right there. 1,300 pages from beginning to end that demonstrate to us what we need to know and what we need to remember. And what does this remembrance do? What does it do in the lives of these women? It brings about faith. And we know this. We, we know that this was that moment for them, that, that the light bulb came on, that the Lord worked in their lives and their hearts, and they got it. Because what they did next. What did they do when they remembered? There should be strong connotations here to the woman at the well. Jesus speaking to her, talking about her life, telling her everything she's done, revealing her sin and her need of a Savior. And they're having this conversation. And she's, oh, I cannot wait for the Savior to come. I cannot wait for the one who will make us whole, who will, will teach us how to worship, who will forgive us of our sin. And what does Jesus say to her? I am he. And what does she do when that faith, when that faith light bulb goes off? She runs back into town, right into the people she was avoiding, right into the people that mocked her and made fun of her and thought less of her. He told me everything I've done. Here we have a, a, a similar situation. The women of Galilee, they come in confused. They come in uncertain. They come in for a different task and a different job. The angels say, simply remember what he's done. They remember, and then what do they do? They run. They run to tell the gospel. They have to go let someone know. And in their minds, the first people, we got to let the disciples know. They've got to hear what's taking place. Remembrance leads to faith. Remembrance is a powerful tool for the believer. Here at our church, when we witness a baptism, when God grants us the ability to baptize one, we're told in the baptism language to remember your own baptism. It's a marker of remembrance as we see others be baptized for what the Lord has done in our lives. Lord willing, in a moment as we partake of the Lord's Supper, we're going to be told, remember what He has done for you. Every time we celebrate communion, it is a service of remembrance. And we place these markers in our own lives and um, the Old Testament, and in one of the songs we sing, they're called Ebenezer's, memorial stones or stones of remembrance. You know, two of those in my life, November 10th, 2017, I was ordained to gospel ministry. One of my fellow ministers in the Lord told me that day will become more precious to you than your own day of birth. And it has, absolutely. And then I got really lucky on this one, March 28th. March 28th is not only my anniversary which is very helpful. Um, in 2015, Lisa and I were happily married. And two for one, March 28, 2021, we became a particular church here at Christ the Redeemer. Those are days of remembrance. Faithfulness from God. Blessing, undeserved blessing. Those things didn't have to happen. I don't need them in my life. Well, I do. I do need them in my life. But God, because he is kind and merciful and loving, has granted those to me. And every time those dates come up on the calendar, I'm able to remember him and remember what he's done. And I encourage you to mark those days of remembrance in your own life. The day when you professed faith, the day of your birth, special times in your life, special moments, special memories that show that he is good to you. I guarantee you that for these women... And for the disciples, this was a day of remembrance. 
that that next year they got together with a meal. That they got together and celebrated. That they got together and remembered. Because God is so good. And the beauty of it, because Christ has been raised, because we've been called to remember, and remembrance through the power of the Holy Spirit produces faith in our life, that remembrance then turns into blessing. It, it, it's, it's like God says, that that's, if that's not enough, let me bless you because of it. Let me be richly and abundantly loving to you. And we see that in this last section. Faithfulness leads to blessing. And one of the beautiful things about this is that expands beyond us. That reaches out into our lives, into our communities, into our friends, into our workplaces, into our neighborhoods. And for the women of Galilee, it expands to the disciples themselves. Because where are they? The twelve or the 11 at this point, if you, you want to name it or number it that way. Shouldn't they have been at the tomb? Weren't they explicitly told by Jesus that he was going to die and be raised again on the third day? Where are they at? You know, we talk about the importance of the absence of Jesus in the tomb. There's also an importance there of the absence of the disciples. <laughs> you would think that the women of Galilee would have met the disciples there, but we're told returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed like an idle tale, and they did not believe them. What a critique of them. You have ample witness, testimony from many, not just one, not just two, but many, who said, it's empty. He's not there. Angels from heaven spoke to us and told us he has risen. He is not dead. But these words seemed like an idle tale. And they did not believe. Now, what is the difference between these two parties? Why do the women have belief and the disciples not? There is no room in this text, and I hate to even say it, but it needs to be said. This has nothing to do with gender issues. This has everything to do with spiritual sight. God gave the women eyes to see and ears to hear, as he promises in Isaiah. They understood what had taken place, even though they've not seen Jesus at this point. They believed, and unto them it was a blessing. They trusted God. They trusted his word. This led to confidence, excitement, the ability to witness, and ultimately made them the first sharers of the gospel post-resurrection. What a blessing bestowed upon these women. They serve as real examples for us today, don't they? They were overjoyed when they understood the significance of an empty tomb. They could not wait to tell the good news to others. Brothers and sisters, some of us desperately need some of that excitement in our lives today. I left this in from last time I preached it because it's such, it makes the point. There is some comical truth to the joke that says you shouldn't put motion sensor lights in a Presbyterian church or they'd worship in the dark. But I mean, come on. Be excited this morning. Jesus Christ is risen. I'm not saying toss your reverence out the window. We do that really well. 
But what I'm saying is we should be driven to go share the gospel in light of what we've heard. We should be driven to tell others, to tell those around us. You never know the impact you're going to have on the kingdom of God in that moment, in that time. And we see that play out in our text here. Oh, blessed Peter. Oh, bless him. The 11 are told this message and they doubt, they don't understand, but we don't know how much time has passed, but some time passes and he listens and it finally clicks. I've got to go. I've got to get to the tomb. This is post-denial Peter. He has learned hard lessons about belief and trust. He just had to know. And we do know from other gospel accounts that John was with him at this point. And if you do want an act of divine comedy, go to John's gospel and read of this. Peter runs to the tomb and also the one whom God loves. Peter begins running, but he outruns him. And then go look at who wrote that book. Divine act of comedy. Spoiler alert, John's the one that's called the one who God loves. Get a commentary of how slow Peter is and how much more Jesus loved John than Peter. Divine comedy at his best. But they go to the tomb. They they have to see for themselves. And what did they find? An empty tomb. Stooping and looking in, he, being Peter, saw the linen cloth by themselves. And he went home marveling at what had happened. He's marveling at what had taken place. Had he fully grasped it yet? No. We know this because Jesus has to open their eyes. For some of them, he does it on the road. For some of them, he does it in that room when they're gathered together, opening the Old Testament, preaching the gospel from the Old Testament text. But he was on his way. Why? Because of the response of the women of Galilee. He was on his way because of the response of these women, the excitement at the resurrection. And so, my dear friends, recognize the tomb is still empty this morning. Jesus Christ is not there. He is risen indeed. Death has been defeated. And we're called to daily remember these things. By doing so, we increase our faith. And as we walk in faith, we are blessed and so are those around us. I hope you were overjoyed by this news this morning. And let me just say, if, if this is your first time hearing this, or if you have questions this morning about how you can trust in Jesus for yourself, grab someone after the service. Grab someone now. Go, my office is open. Take them. Any of us would be more than happy to share what God has done in our lives and what He can do in yours. The greatest gift given to mankind was that on this day in history, the women found an empty tomb and a risen Savior. Everything has changed from that point on. We today still are marveling at it. Praise be to God. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Oh, I wish I could more convey with my own personality and speaking ability, the excitement that this brings. I truly hope that our hearts are live in this morning. From the songs, to the prayers, to the confessions, to the fellowship and the forgiveness we have in sin. Even the tithe, the announcements, the sermon. And now as we look for the table, would you, O Lord, instill in our hearts 
an excitement, a love, a hunger for you. Father, I do pray if there be anyone here or anyone online who does not yet know you, but wants to know you, who wants to know how they today can be forgiven for their sins. May they not wait. May they not ponder these things any longer. But may they seek you through a friend, through a family member, through a fellow person here at this church. May they yield themselves to you here and now. And for those who have been walking for you, with you in a, for a while, may they be strengthened this day by the good news that continues to change their life and continues to strengthen them for the road they're on and the road ahead. We pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen.